Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. gentlemen boys and girls welcome back to basketball conference the acc football podcast my name is joey weaver he is mike mcdaniel mike we we got some bowls we got to talk about but we're not going to do that just yet we've got some news we got to hit on before that this is the postseason news dump episode yep uh are you ready how are you i'm ready uh we have a lot to talk about we waited about a week to record this because we wanted all of the news or at least most of it to come out We've been waiting for that Boston College head coaching hire, Joey, and it finally mm-hmm. came. So that's among the many things we're going to be discussing tonight here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got a bunch of things that have kind of accumulated over the last week or so. Um, that's the, probably the biggest thing we got to start off with right there is the, the Boston College coaching search has come to a close. Transition, baby. That's right. Just hit it right off the bat. Uh, early in college game day on the uh, Army-Navy game day there on Saturday, it was announced that Boston College was hiring Ohio State defensive coordinator Jeff Halfley to be their next head coach. Uh, this was something that we talked about previously as a potential candidate, and a big reason was that Boston College's athletic director has a lot of Ohio State ties. He was hired out of Ohio State's athletic department, and so it, I don't think that they were ever there at the same time. Um, but, again, a lot of ties and and. Certainly, Martin Jarman had connections with Ryan Day, the head coach there at Ohio State. And really interesting article out of The Athletic earlier today that there were some discussions had between Jarman and Day on potentially hiring folks off of his staff and the whole thing. But at the end of the day, Jeff Halfley ends up being the guy that the Eagles are going to go with moving forward. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Mike. I'm I'm a little skeptical. And the reason that I'm skeptical is has nothing to do with Halfley as a person, has, with, with really, uh, with this job, with this hire, anything. It's it's purely, do you know what Jeff Halfley's record is as a head coach in football? Joey, what would that be? It would be zero and zero, Mike. This is your first head coaching job. Yeah, and, and it's not that... Boston College is this wildly prestigious, you know, job that nobody can succeed in or, or that like they can only afford to hire the best of the best. And if I, if it sounds like I'm throwing shade at Boston college, I don't mean to like, I'm just recognize that this is not like Florida state. This isn't Clemson. This isn't Miami. We're talking about Boston college. Like, you know, there there's, this isn't going to attract Nick Saban and, and, you know, Kirby smart and those folks of the world. Right. But at the same time, Oh man, there are going to be some Eagles fans mad online, but they are a power five job. Sort of. But no, they are. They are. They're an ACC team. They played in. No, they yeah. haven't played in Charlotte. I don't think ever. But but the, they're an ACC team. Like there's that, and you know they play in a division with Clemson and Florida State and and all these teams. And like, what? This is the thing I don't get is hiring these guys that have no head coaching experience. Like I would have felt way better if you go get Jason Candle out of Toledo. Go get somebody out of the MAC that's done really well. You know, go get. Um, you know, last year what Louisville did, go get Scott Satterfield out of Appalachian State. You know, go find somebody that even not at a Power Five level, but somebody who's a head, who's got, been a head coach, who's got that experience. You could say they've built a program or sustained a program and know what that takes and can scale that up a little bit. Versus a guy who has spent a year at Ohio State and before that was in the NFL for a while. And I guess previously, I guess was maybe a, a Greg Schiano guy, but he's only ever been a, an assistant. I don't know if so. I, I don't think this is an explicitly bad hire, but I, there's multiple hires we've seen this this coaching search uh, cycle, and we're going to talk about another one later on. That I don't understand these Power Five 
programs going and hiring guys who have never been a head coach before. That's the thing that I don't understand, Mike. Yeah, I mean, you have to start somewhere um, as, a, as a head coach. I just don't know that it's the best decision if you're Boston College and you're a Power 5 team in the ACC and you're a team that has struggled to really break through the six or seven win ceiling recently to then all of a sudden fire Steve Adazio, who, uh, look... <laughs> We've talked about Adazio plenty on this podcast and what he has and has not accomplished at Boston College. But you have to be absolutely sure if you're going to hire Jeff Halfley, who has no head coaching experience, that he is absolutely going to put you in a better spot than Steve Adazio did. I'm not totally convinced. Now, maybe this turns out to be wrong and we'll see. Who knows? It's his first head coaching job. I'm not totally convinced that Jeff Halfley's going to do a whole heck of a lot better than Steve Adazio did, Joey. And it may not do worse. Uh, right. He might just be the same coach a little bit younger, right? And we won't know until it happens. I know that there's a lot that goes into these things, right? It's not just wins and losses. It's, you know, how he handles the athletic department and how the coach handles the fan base and the players and how the players feel about the direction of the program and, you know, the continuity among the boosters, which is not as big of a big as big of a deal at Boston College but it it is something to point out. So there are multiple factors that go into every head coaching search and I get that but look Jeff Halfley coming from Ohio State co-defensive coordinator you I mean the hire could be worse admittedly right and mm-hmm. I think it certainly could work but I do think it's a leap when you have Steve Adazio, six or seven wins, obviously not good enough at BC. They, they want more than that there. And I admire Martin Jarman for pulling the plug on that, right? And yeah. and trying to find something that's better. But this is your hire. Yeah. I mean, you got to be absolutely sure. I'm not saying it won't work, but you got to be absolutely sure. And hiring a guy with no head coaching experience and expecting it to go better than a guy who's had plenty of coaching experience before this. It's a bold decision, and we'll see if it ends up working out how they envision it. Yeah, I mean, and the data points that we do have are good. Real good. I mean, he's a co-defensive coordinator here for Ohio State in year one of the post-Urban Meyer era, and the Buckeyes' defense went from weirdly mediocre to really, really good here in year one. And, I mean, he's a a noted secondary coach. He spent time previously with the 49ers, with the Browns, with the Buccaneers. Even, Mike, making an appearance on Dave Wanstead's staff at Pittsburgh back in the day. Um, You know, back about 10-plus years ago. You know, so he's been around the block. He's a a long-term defensive coach. He's been noted as a really good recruiter. In one year, he stepped in and made a pretty big impact on the Ohio State recruiting class. That matters. Yeah, especially yeah for not only for BC but just as a head coach in general, that's a good sign. But it's just that there is there is clearly more to being a head coach than there is to being a coordinator. Shout out Manny Diaz. Like, just because somebody is a good coordinator does not immediately mean that they're going to be a good head coach. And the only thing that I can think, Mike, that is leading to this pattern of inexperienced head coaching hires at at the highest levels lately that we've seen, I think is kind of this idea of the rich getting richer and, and kind of sep- the has there were the haves separating themselves from the have nots where, so for instance, is an O's guy over here. Well, no, but like what I'm saying, like, you know, Clemson paying Brent Venables more than most teams are paying their head coach. Right. So, like, these guys can sit there and pick and choose when they're going to get opportunities, and they're going to sit there, and they don't have to sit there and go to Arkansas State and go to, you know, Miami of Ohio and go to, you know, I don't know, UNLV and wherever they're going to go, like, to, to kind of marinate and learn the, the, the coaching tenure thing. They can just wait until somebody's going to offer them a head coaching job, and, and by the time you're offering someone, you know, ex, uh, interesting money to leave it's got to be a head coaching job rather than a defensive coordinator job or something like that you know so i i guess that's where this is coming from maybe it's a good hire maybe it's not we'll find out like you said i mean maybe it's worse than adazio it could be maybe it's better than adazio i don't know you know we'll find out but it's it's just odd and i and i would say this too it doesn't it doesn't help in my mind 
that this is also Martin Jarman's first time hiring a head football coach. Mm. Hmm? You know, so like there's not like a proven track record anywhere involved in this whole coaching search of somebody being a definitely capital G good coach or hire hirer of coaches. I feel like I'm not explaining this all very well, but if you, you know what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. Sort of. See if the listeners do. <laughs> if not, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Mike McDaniel SI. So. Oh, oh, nailed it. <laughs> on the fly. There it is. I, I knew I was going to forget about that, and somehow I didn't, so bravo. Yeah. You're one for one. You'll screw it up later, but you got got right so far. 100% I will. Uh, yeah. Jeff Halfley, new head coach of Boston College. We'll see how it goes. Yep, we will see how it goes. It's uh, the equivalent of a coin flip, Joey. Yeah, we'll say that. Uh, let's keep moving, Mike. Florida State, Mike Norvell has been making some hires around him. Uh, number one most important hire Mike Norvell's made? Odell Haggins. Your boy Odell Haggins. He's being retained assistant head coach, defensive line coach. Uh, Odell Haggins going to retain his spot in Tallahassee. He is officially, Mike Norvell, you have passed your first test. Well done. Joey, maybe we should maybe we should just go ahead and FOIA Mike Norvell's contract just to make sure there wasn't any Odell Haggins language in there. <laughs> I, I feel like there's like a storybook involved here where one day we're going to find out that Odell is actually like the wizard that was in charge of the whole thing the whole time, you know, like he's actually the one in charge regardless of what anybody's titles are. So good choice, Mike. Yep. Not to be confused with Bilbo Baggins. (laughs) That's what they say. I want to slide that in. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, Hobbit reference here on the basketball conference podcast. Uh, Norvell hires Kenny Dillingham out of Auburn and formerly of Memphis as offensive coordinator, uh, Adam Fuller, his defensive coordinator from Memphis, is coming with him. And it, at least for the moment, Mario Edwards Sr. being promoted into an on-field role where he'll be able to recruit uh, for the Seminoles. If that name rings a bell, it's because Mario Edwards Jr., a recent Florida State graduate and NFL draft pick. So um, at least his dad going to retain that position within the staff so far. Um Mike, thoughts on Norvell hiring Kenny Dillingham and Adam Fuller as his coordinators there in Tallahassee? Uh, familiarity, Joey. Yeah, that seems to be a common thread in a lot of these staff hires across most coaching hires across the country. Yeah, familiarity. Um, you're able to get Dillingham from Auburn, who used to coach with you at Memphis. See, that's a nice thing, too, right? Like... Florida State's now got money to go get Mike Norvell, some assistants that he wants to coach with, mm-hmm. um, rather than him, you know, working at a group of five school and he being one of them, right? He's He's been an assistant, then he's a head coach, and then he leaves. Like, these group of five schools, and they've been built up well, right? The Memphis of the world and Houston up until this year and uh, a team like Cincinnati. Like, these group of five schools are out there, Boise, of course, that – you know, they have all these great coaching pipelines. You got these great assistants. You got these up and coming head coaches that leave these group of five programs and go coach at big schools. And you're what you're seeing here is Mike Norvell going to get his assistants back. <laughs> That's what you're seeing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he brings an assistant with him uh, from Memphis. He, he goes to Auburn and gets a former assistant under him at Memphis to come coach with him at Florida State. And That's just kind of how the world works. Familiarity, Joey. Mm hmm. Yeah, and he's done a good job. I mean, he's he's had a lot of his assistants poached, kind of like you're referring to here in recent years, and he's making a little bit of an effort to go get them back. Yeah. Which, Can you blame him? Well, no, and, and especially not because the reason they're getting poached, they're good coaches. They're doing they're a good, good job. Yep. So if you have the resources now to compete with – the people that have taken them away from you and you can lure them back. And those are guys that like working for you and all that. Yeah. By all means, go get them. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. I mean, if they can coach and you're convinced they can coach, go get them. Right? Yeah. Like go get them back. Absolutely. The, the guy that I was intrigued to see if he was going to get him back and it doesn't look like he will was uh, Dan Lanning was his defensive coordinator going into this year. 
or, or before this year, uh, and he left going into 2019 to be Georgia's defensive coordinator under Kirby Smart. There was a lot of speculation that he was either going to get Dan Lanning back to be his defensive coordinator or Lanning would be hired to be the head coach at Memphis, and uh, neither of those happened. It seems like Lanning is going to sit there and, and hang around in Athens. Um, we'll say that, but... Florida State putting their staff together. It looks like they're doing a, a pretty good job. I think we both tend to think he's doing a good job, and, and we like those hires. And The guy in particular that stuck out to me was, was Adam Fuller. It was only a one-year defensive coordinator in Memphis for him. Previously, was at Marshall, among other stops. But the thing I noted, I was kind of looking into some numbers. In one year, Adam Fuller takes Memphis in S&P Plus from being the 87th-ranked defense to the 35th. That is a yeah, buddy. Yeah, that's a noteworthy step change. So, go get a guy that can do that. That is not an accident. That is not just you know having a couple of seniors coming back. That's that's good coaching. So, that seems to be a good look. Um, we'll see. You know they they've got the early signing period coming up here very shortly. So, we will see how they do on the recruiting trail and all that. But at the very least, I feel like. Florida State is hiring guys who are good football coaches. Mike, they can coach some ball, as they say. And they need plenty of that at Florida State. Yeah. Oh, they do. It, it, yeah. Especially here recently, like there's been no lack for talent. There has been a little bit of a lack for knowing how to use it and getting the most out of it. Which is why they fired Willie Taggart a year and a half into his tenure. Absolutely. Give me that buyout. Yep. Uh, Mike, let's keep moving. Speaking of Florida head coaches, that's that's my transition. We'll, we'll do better next time. Oh, okay. Clemson offensive coordinator Jeff Scott, he is heading out from Clemson. He's going to go be the head coach at South Florida in Tampa. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's – there's been a lot of chatter, and I know Richard Johnson in particular at Banner Society has been all over this that – a lot of the public would probably perceive South Florida to be a much better job than it realistically is. Um, it's it's interesting to me that Clemson coordinators have not really shown a propensity for leaving Clemson to take some of these somewhat questionable head coaching jobs, and yet here we are. Um I feel like there are worse, and I know Jeff Scott is kind of from the area, so there's a lot of familiarity, and there's there's a lot of upside, and I don't really blame him. It's just kind of – this is interesting to me. I didn't really expect this. I didn't either. I mean, I thought he'd get a head coaching job. That part wasn't a surprise to you or to me. The fact that this is the one he chose when we've seen Clemson coordinators, to your point, skip over a lot of these, I don't know, lower-tier FBS jobs uh, recently and – I mean, the fact that Jeff Scott jumps ahead, makes this move, was a little bit surprising. Uh, the one thing I will say about Jeff Scott that I've heard a lot about is his relationship with Dabo Swinney, right? And the fact that they go way back. He's one of the first assistants that Dabo hired at Clemson. Uh, he was a guy who hung with Dabo and, and kind of believed in what he was doing and believed that he was going to be a great head coach. And uh, Dabo gave him an opportunity and... You know, he could have gone elsewhere, Jeff Scott, but he stayed with Dabo at Clemson uh, and, of course, rose through the ranks and ended up being a co-offensive coordinator, which is obviously a big deal. And, and the fact that he's making this move now and the fact that Dabo gave him such a ringing endorsement, I think, tells you all you need to know about the kind of football coach Jeff Scott is. Uh, and the fact that he, you know, he's definitely got the potential to be a very good head coach and. No, it's not an easy job at South Florida, right? It's it's not. But can Jeff Scott get it done? Yeah. I mean, I think it's possible. And, you know, just like Jeff Hathley can get it done at Boston College, right? Like, these are the types of positions where, you know, you look at things. And, and to my point earlier where, you know, we were talking about having these guys as first-time head coaches and taking jobs at group of five schools rather than power five schools – I'm really curious to see how this works out for two big time power five coordinators now going to become head coaches at two very, very difficult schools, one in the power five ACC and then one, uh, of course, in South Florida. That's a very, very difficult job to recruit to down there in Tampa. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these kind of play out, because I do think, you know, while one's a group of five school, one's a power five school. 
I do think there are a lot of similarities in terms of how difficult it is and the uphill battle that they're going to be presented as first-time head coaches. I think an uphill battle is the is the perfect way to describe it. Uh, it is not impossible, but you don't have a whole lot of circumstances that are going in your favor at both of these jobs, I would say. Um, if you just look at who you're surrounded with in your division and what you have to work with on so many levels as compared to what your competition does and all that, uh, neither of these is a particularly easy job at this point, you know, going into the 2020s. So I, I similar to the Jeff Halfley hire with, you know, Jeff Scott going to South Florida. I mean, it's obviously both of these guys have been associated with some incredibly successful programs. Um, there is a lot of upside there and reason to think that they could be very, very successful. I, but I just don't have a lot that I can point to in their track record that says, yep, if he could be successful here doing this head coaching job, he can be successful there doing that one. The track record is, Oh, they've been really good assistants. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, on some, they've been on some pretty encouraging coaching trees. And I mean, in a lot of cases, that's turned out to be enough. And then in other cases, not so much. Yeah. Uh, Steve Adazio was a member of the Urban Meyer coaching tree. How'd that turn out at BC? I mean, what was he there? Seven years and they only missed a bowl game once. So depending on your definition of success. What is the bar? Yeah, I I don't know. Um, It's that was a thought, Mike, that I had. And it's. This is going to sound horrible to some people, but there's one coach in the ACC that I can think of right now that had no prior experience as a head coach when he was hired in his current post. Oh, my God. People are going to be yelling at you. And is extremely successful. People are going to be yelling at you. You know who it is? It's the exception to the rule. It is kind of the exception to the rule, yeah. Dabo Swinney. It's Dabo Swinney. That's right. But the thing is, Mike, that you got to remember what the first couple of years were like under Swinney. It wasn't great. It it wasn't. It was it was good. Remember Clemsoning? Yeah, Clemsoning was a thing. Yeah, you remember Clemsoning. that Orange Bowl in 2011 when they gave up 70 to West Virginia? That's after they beat the pants off of Virginia Tech in the ACC championship game. Mm-hmm. That was as a freshman in college. Yeah. Um, yeah, they gave up 70 to West Virginia, and that's that was kind of the turning point in the program, Joey. Yeah, it that's, really was. I mean, that was a team, and you think about the NFL players on that team, Taj Boyd, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Deon, not Deion Kane. Deion Kane wasn't there yet. Um, I guess that was right after C.J. Spiller. Yeah, C- yeah it, it was right after C.J. Spiller. I mean, they, they were loaded. Mm-hmm. Loaded. Um, I think yeah, that was they, Chad Morris's first year as OC. Yep, and, and you saw what West Virginia did to them in the Orange Bowl, and that was kind of the turning point in the program, and you know, Clemsoning was the thing where they would like choke away big leads and, you know, lose a game that they shouldn't. You mm-hmm. know, that was before Clemsoning turned into them, you know, not losing a game in two years, mm-hmm. which is what where the program's at now. So, yeah, there's your exception to the rule. Yeah. Well, and it was, again, it's been during Dabo's tenure that Clemson has all of a sudden started dumping money into infrastructure and doing things that a lot of the big boy blue blood programs do. It, it wasn't that way when he got there. Nope, um, it was not. It was when they hired Dan Radakovich as athletic director in fall of 2012 as Radakovich up and left Georgia Tech on like a Tuesday morning in October and was in an orange jacket up the road, you know, and the whole, I mean, not that we're bitter or anything, but. Sounds um, that way. What we're saying is that a new AD walked in and started giving Dabo, you know, laissez fair towards whatever the hell he wanted and next thing you know, they've got a barbershop and a slide and a national champion championship and couple actually. Yeah, two of them and working on a third. I mean, so it's 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 not foolproof. Put it that way. Um, I don't know. It, I mean, it it could happen. It could work, but don't have a lot of evidence to su- suggest that it definitely will. Put it that way. There are more examples of it not working than actually working, like I do with Dabo. I couldn't have said it better myself. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mike, um, other let's let's do other head coaching news. Um, and then we're going to do Virginia Tech coaching staff adjustments. And then we'll get into some players and the All-ACC team and all that. How's that? Yep. Good all right. Me. 
Um, other head coaching news. This is relevant to the ACC. Um, former ACC coaches. We have former Boston College head coach Steve Adazio. He lands at Colorado State. Huh. Why did he land at Colorado State, Joey? That's a great question, Mike. I think it has something to do with his former uh, coaching tree, you know, head coach man, Urban Meyer, helping with that coaching search. Yep, he did. And why did he help with that coaching search? We will never know. We, Yeah. I mean, Money it might talks. be some just dollar-dollar bills, y'all, kind of situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that felt a little bit like the uh, nepotism flavor that we were getting a lot of from Urban Meyer at Ohio State. Um, hmm. You hire Urban Meyer to assist with your coaching search, and he ends up recommending that you bring in one of his former assistants. You fired Mike Bobo to hire Steve Adazio. Hmm. Old move, Cotton. Yeah, we'll see how it works for him. Uh, not to mention Steve Adazio, by the way, just a little Easter egg for you. Uh, one of his first hires he brings in is his QB coach, former grad assistant at Ohio State. Corey Dennis. Does that name ring a bell to you, Mike? Tell the listeners, Joey. Uh, that's Urban Meyer's daughter's husband. Huh. Son-in-law, huh? Son-in-law, as they, as they call him, yeah, in, in common parlance. Oh, that's weird. He's got a position on Steve Adazio's staff after Urban Meyer just essentially helped get Adazio the job. Huh. Huh. What's funny is if you go look up Corey Dennis's passing numbers from Georgia Tech, they're actually not blank. Oh, really? He actually actually threw a pass at one point in Georgia Tech. Uh, That was in the Music City Bowl against Ole Miss. It was uh, was an interception. 0 for 1, 1 pick. I couldn't think of anybody better to coach your quarterbacks, Mike. Uh, Well, we'll see how that works out. (laughs) We'll Um, see. It couldn't be worse than Boston College's quarterbacks over the years under Steve Adazio, could it? Uh, former Florida State head coach. Yeah, moving on. Willie Taggart. He's going to Florida Atlantic following up the Lane train as Lane Kiffin goes to Ole Miss. Um, I Honestly, I don't hate it. That's a guy who's had a little bit of success at a much higher level and has done exceptionally well with the state of Florida in general in recent years. So go get him, Florida Atlantic. And he's taking over a good football team. So that's a nice little cushy landing spot in the state of Florida, which Willie Taggart knows. Freaking Boca Raton? Like, come on. I know. That's, hey. You could do worse. Uh, he could do a lot worse. He's got that buyout money. He's got a new contract with FAU. He's got a good team he's inheriting. You lost huh. your dream job and you ended up in Boca Raton taking over for Lane Kiffin? It could be way worse, Mike. It could be totally worse. You could end up coaching at idaho i mean you you could end up just living in boca raton and living off of florida state's paychecks for the next like three or four years yeah worked out for lane kiffin (laughs) also an option um the other one that i thought was interesting and it's not directly an acc hire but for former nc state offensive coordinator eli drinkwitz just finished up his first year with appalachian state as head coach uh he just got a 400% raise to go to Mizzou. Uh, if I got a 400% raise, I'd also go to Mizzou. I, I would, yeah. <laughs> anywhere. Anytime, yeah. any place, you know, whatever. If you want to pay me four times what I'm getting now, I'll go anywhere. I don't really care. Idaho. I'd go there. I Sure. Um, but, Mike, it kind of brings us back to the whole, like, Power 5 jobs going to guys that are largely unproven. And, sure, I... Eli Drinkwitz probably interviews great, and he ran some good offenses at NC State and previously at Boise State and some other places, and I don't have a whole lot of anything bad to say about that. To me, this is more a question of Mizzou. You're going out and hiring a guy who has one year of head coaching experience to come into the SEC East and lead your program up against Florida and Georgia and Tennessee and all of them. Okay. I mean, can you score 20 points on any of those teams? If you can, you have a really good chance to win. He's got some cool trick plays. I mean, so yeah, maybe. Uh, He coached well as an offensive coordinator. He obviously had a very good year at App State, Mm -hmm. riding the coattails of Scott Satterfield's recruiting classes. My biggest question about this hire is whether or not he's going to be able to recruit in the SEC. Um, I think he's got to hire a staff that has some sort of experience doing that. 
as far as a coach is concerned, I, I think he's a good coach, so I'm not really as concerned about that. I'm, I'm more concerned on the recruiting side of things. Yeah, he can coach in ball. We know that. Um, but, I mean, just – you you walked in a few hours away from Raleigh and you took over one of the absolute most stable programs in the FBS of the last decade and kept them doing what they had been doing – for one year, and now you're a head coach in the SEC. I don't hate the hire. It can be successful if they get him some assistance. By they getting him, I mean him also getting himself. Yeah. Uh, some assistants who have experience recruiting in the SEC is a different animal, something he has not experienced, and they got to make sure they tackle that. Gosh, I got to Google this real quick, too, because I, if, if Eli Drinkwitz knows what's good for him, he will not bring his defensive coordinator from Appalachian state with him. Uh, yeah. Um, Any guesses on who that is? Who is it, Joey? That'd be your boy, Ted roof, Mike. Ah, oh, man. He's had a sparkling career. Yeah. It's been, it's been an adventure. I don't think he is, but so I guess pre- he, he prevent guy. Yeah. Big prevent guy. Yep. Bend. Try not to break, but probably break. It'll be Big fun. Bud Foster guy. <laughs> Man, tech fans are going to be mad about that one. Whew, that's spicy. Uh, all right, Mike, that's all I got on other like ACC head coaching rumors and such. Uh, we got some changes, particularly to the Virginia Tech coaching staff. You want to hit on those real quick? Yeah. Um, so we mentioned on the last podcast, it was the day that Justin Hamilton was announced as Virginia Tech's defensive coordinator to replace Bud Foster. We covered that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a couple of notable changes on the Virginia Tech staff. Brian Mitchell, who coached the cornerbacks, which is this is significant because Virginia Tech's cornerbacks actually had a very good 2019. But over the course of the time since Justin Fuentes taken over, the secondary hasn't been quite as good as it's been in the past. Brian Mitchell's been the cornerbacks coach for a good bit of that time. Uh, he's being let go despite having Caleb Farley selected as an all ACC member, um, honorable mention, all American by some, some places. Um, Armani Chapman had a really good year. Jermaine Waller was, uh, named all ACC defensive player, um, or on the defensive team a couple times this year. He's also had a very good year. Point being the secondary has been pretty good for Virginia tech. He's being let go though. Cause he's had a lot of shortcomings in recruiting. We've talked a lot on this podcast about the 2020 recruiting class for Virginia tech. How has it really stood up to snuff? That's particularly true for the secondary that has been very good. So they can find other guys to coach the secondary. So they're letting Brian Mitchell go. They have not replaced him yet. Zon burden, the running running backs coach. He was let go. Um, he was in the running for the ODU head coaching job, but didn't end up getting it. But, Virginia Tech and Burden parted ways. It's not a surprise because the Virginia Tech running game struggled a ton with Burden being the running backs coach. Jerry Kill came in as a offensive analyst for Justin Fuente. Uh, the running game took off, which with you know at Jerry Kill's tutelage, um, he took over a good portion of the game planning in the running game specifically. So it's not a surprise they let Zon Burden go. They promoted Adam Lechtenberg. Uh, who was a director of person of player personnel, uh, basically just a recruiting guy on the staff of Virginia Tech. They promoted him to be running backs coach. I, I'm fine with the hire. It's not really that big of a deal one way or another. Jerry Kill is going to be basically a de facto running backs coach, in my opinion. Uh, and then most importantly, Charlie Wiles, who was a 25-plus year defensive line coach, will not be returning to his staff next year, which is a surprise because he's mm-hmm. been with Bud Foster and Frank Beamer from the beginning. It's notable because he's the last link from Justin Fuente's staff to uh, the Frank Beamer era. He is not returning, and that's significant because he's a very good defensive line coach, one of the best in the ACC. Uh, he will not be retained. Virginia Tech hired Daryl Tapp. Uh, Gerald Tapps, a former All-ACC defensive lineman for Virginia Tech, uh, back going on like 10 or 15 years ago now, so it's been a while. Uh, but he was a very good player under Frank Beamer. This is significant for recruiting. Daryl Tapp is from Newport News. Virginia Tech's trying to get back into the Tidewater area and uh, recruit like they used to. It's obviously very different ACC now, but try to recruit like they used to uh, in that Tidewater area of Virginia. This is 1,000% a recruiting hire. Daryl Tapp has no prior uh, power five assistant coaching experience. Uh, but he's jumping into his alma mater. He former beloved player and a guy who has ties back to that area. So I think that they're trying to make moves to recruit. 
uh, I guess they figure that a lot of these guys can coach, but now it's kind of trying to take the next step in recruiting where Virginia Tech's been basically holding steady from the Frank Beamer years in the in the mid-20s nationally for the most part, with the exception of this 2020 class. So anyway, Virginia Tech's looking for a defensive backs coach still, try to figure out what that is. But until then, they're hiring basically guys who are unproven but decent recruiters. So seems to be a trend. Uh, Mike, who's the best defensive lineman that Daryl Tapp has developed? Man, um, that's a great question, Joey. Who, who, who? Which defensive lineman has Daryl Tapp developed? Uh, the next one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Daryl Tapp, by the way, uh, just recently finished up his NFL career. He's never been a coach, um, and then otherwise. Otherwise, all these hires so far have pretty much been promotions internally. And really what I'm getting at here, again, I I question a little bit the decisions here. And, and we talked about this a little bit over, you know, over text messages and whatever is like, I, at some point when you, when you have these openings on your staff, I would think it beneficial to look outward and to bring in different ideas, different approaches you know, kind of widen your search, see what the best candidates you can get are or whatever. And yet it's, I don't seems, disagree. Yeah. And, and the decisions so far have been promotions from within and guys largely who have never been coaches before. Yep. Remember when I said earlier, get yourself a fall guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Bud Foster was involved in the interviewing and basically said, Justin Hamilton's our guy. Now the thing that they won't tell you is that Barry Odom was actually their guy. Um, but he basically said, no, nah, I'm pursuing head coaching opportunities. And he did that until he got a ton of money to be a defensive coordinator at Arkansas. That was mm-hmm. just announced um, much more than Virginia Tech was going to pay him to be defensive coordinator, by the way. So, uh, Joey, get yourself a fall guy. <laughs> get yourself a couple of uh, assistants who have never coached before. I, I don't um, I don't blame him for that. Yep. Always have a fall guy. Always have a fall guy. I just. Mike, we've been over this. I continue to have a lot of questions about the things that Justin Fuente and this coaching staff are doing. Yep. Okay. I, You know, and, and maybe I'm wrong, and they've won a lot more games than most other teams in the division did this year and the whole thing, but there's just some some oddities. Okay. That's all I'm saying. All righty. All right. Uh, Get yourself play- a Waffle House guy. Look, I I'm not in a real hurry to defend what's going on in Atlanta in the last year either. So, at the very least, what we said what we said a year ago, and and I'll say this, and then we'll just move on. Jeff Collins and that staff, they're going to recruit really well. That that was the way that the whole staff was designed. It was a whole bunch of guys that have oh, a yeah. really good reputation for recruiting. And they hit the ground running with it. Yeah, they did, and they're they're looking great. I mean, going into signing day tomorrow, early early signing day, they're like fourth in the ACC by a lot of better, metrics. Better than Virginia Tech's class by a lot. Yeah, by at least a little bit, at least a little bit. Um, but can they actually coach ball on the field? I don't know. And at least defensively, I think they could this year. Offensively, we have not yet seen a lot of evidence that they can. So time we got a will lot tell. of question. We got a lot of questions here, specifically in the coastal. Yeah. Heading into next year. We have a Miami team that hasn't been well coached. Mm-hmm. We have Jeff Collins trying to figure out offense at mm-hmm. Georgia Tech. We have Virginia Tech who's essentially hiring an entirely new staff on the defensive side of the football. Mm-hmm. A lot of them unproven. There are a lot of questions, and we're still in December of the twenty nineteen season. Virginia, we've been all over all of that recently. Uh huh. Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett, and that whole deal, and who do we feel good about in the ACC Coastal going into next year? I mean, that's probably a bigger offseason discussion, but it might be North Carolina. Oh no! What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? I mean, this is when Duke sneaks up and and catches all of us off guard and wins like eight games next year. Yeah, well, Quentin Harris won't be on the roster anymore, so that should help. Yeah, that's addition by subtraction, as they say. Yep. Uh, Mike, speaking of players, let's go through some player news. Uh, Florida State 
Running back Cam Akers, he is headed to the NFL draft. He will not play in the bowl game for the Knowles. Can't blame him. I don't blame him either. Uh, Boston College running back A.J. Dillon, he's also going to the NFL. He will not play in the bowl game for the Eagles in Birmingham. Don't blame him for that. Uh, you couldn't pay me to go to Birmingham. Yeah. Well, pay me 400 times my salary. Maybe I'll go to Birmingham. And some airline points. Uh, I don't need any more of those. <laughs> Day job gets you enough of those. Uh, oh, yeah. Both of these guys, I mean, clearly elite talents. Two of the top 10 players just, you know, carte blanche in the ACC. I mean. Don't don't waste your time in meaningless bowling games. And especially at this position where there's only so much tread on the tires. Like, go get your money while you can. Yeah. Um, honestly, and this is going to sound terrible, the average NFL running back has a short enough career that you can come back and finish college within the decade. And, you know, if that's what you want to do. And, and I recommend that you do. College degree is doing me pretty well, doing you pretty well, Mike. I mean, it's all that. But go get your money while you can if you're a coveted running back at the next level. And then uh, figure it out after that. I don't know if A.J. Dillon's finished his degree yet. But what lasts longer, A.J. Dillon's NFL career or Jeff Halfley's tenure at Boston College? Ooh. Choose wisely. Ooh, man. Um, I think if I'm playing the odds, I'm going to take Jeff Halfley. Okay. Uh, because there is a way higher burnout rate in the NFL, way higher chance that A.J. Dillon just doesn't work out, you know, whatever, and three years later he's like an assistant at Boston College or whatever, and that's all fine. Like, So I just don't think there's any way that Boston College is firing Hathley within three to four years, and there's, a, there's at least a noteworthy chance that Dillon is out of the league within three to four years. So I'm going to go – higher chance that Halfley is still there in, in four years. I mean, Adazio basically went, we'll call it three quarters of a decade, uh, going seven and five at BC. He never won more than seven games. Yeah, right. So he only once won less than seven games other than this year where he won six, but they're going to a bowl game and, you know, they could get there. They could. <laughs> Theoretically. That's a Cincinnati team that don't, don't watch that game. That's going to be an ugly, disgusting game. Big Cincinnati guy. Mm-hmm. Um, also in Boston College player news, uh, quarterback Anthony Brown, he's transferring. Can't blame him. I, I, yeah, but... Uh, Where? I don't I don't know who wins here. Right. Uh, well, not Jeff Halfley, because he doesn't have a veteran quarterback anymore. So He's got Dennis Grossell. Uh, don't do this to me. Do not do not disgrace the name of Dennis Grossell, Mike. Uh, he does enough of that on his own. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, yeah, he, he kind of does. Um, I saw him play in person. He had like 58 yards pass. Uh, granted, it was against Clemson. But, <laughs> man, do you want to see a dead body? Might not be a real pretty situation here for uh, Boston College in year one. It's going to turn into a, a legit year zero situation, we'll say. I miss Troy Flutie. Ooh, man. That's a real throwback. Uh, Mike, all ACC team was announced. Um, mm. Some notables on the first team. Quarterback Trevor Lawrence, running backs Travis Etienne and A.J. Dillon. Wide receivers Sage Surratt, T. Higgins, and Tutu Atwell. Well-deserved, all, all of those guys. Brevin Jordan from Miami was the tight end. All-purpose yeah, player... Joe Reed from Virginia, uh, offensive line Tremaine Ancrum, Mickey Betton, uh, John Simpson, John Phillips, and Jimmy Morrissey. Um, all those guys. First team offense. On defense, freshman Gregory Russo from Miami and Carlos Bash. Good player. Yeah, ball players is right. Uh, from Wake Forest. Defensive tackles Jalen Twyman and Marvin Wilson from Pitt and Florida State. Linebackers, Isaiah Simmons, Chaz Surratt, Shaq Quarterman, uh, all excellent players. Caleb Farley and uh, A.J. Terrell, the cornerbacks. Paris Ford and Tanner Muse, uh, the safeties. Specialist Nick Skiba, uh, a, a big snub on the uh, ESPN All-American all rankings, for what it's worth. Uh, Sterling Hoffrichter. Syracuse. Syracuse and Joe Reed uh, from Virginia. Well-deserved. I don't know that I really look at this and think there was any major snubs. 
maybe Cam Akers. I was going to for... say Cam Akers going to the NFL, can't even make an all-ACC team. But there's only two spots, and it was Etienne and A.J. Dillon, and I don't know if I blame anybody for all that. <laughs> it's just too easy you to throw shade at Florida State. Scary Terry at wide receiver, Hassan Hall, and Javian Hawkins for Louisville. You know. Ryan Wells make it? Uh, no. No. Wow. 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 There's... Damn. Uh, he, he was close. He was yeah. Close. Yeah, he, he had a good yeah. year, Mike. Yeah, he was throwing his vote in for all ACC quarterback. That got intercepted. Mm. <laughs> He's used to it. It's okay. Oh, uh, no. God. <laughs> uh, that was unnecessary. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, was too easy. ACC player of the year and offensive player of the year, Travis Etienne. A- ACC rookie of the year, Sam Howell. ACC defensive player of the year, Isaiah Simmons. And Coach of the Year, Mike, as we've been saying, Mr. Scott Satterfield of Louisville, I've gotten no problems with any of that. Zero, although Virginia fans are real butthurt that Bryce Perkins was not picked as Offensive Player of the Year. But Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, in fairness, if, if we look at Offensive Player of the Year as the guy that was single-handedly responsible for any amount of success that his offense had, Probably Bryce Perkins. Yep. Probably Bryce. We'll see what Virginia does without him next year. Mm. Just going to just toss that grenade in and walk away. Yep, because as we've heard from UVA Twitter, the backup is better than the starter. That's so right. They better, they better be right. Yeah. Oh, no, they are. They are. I mean, have you seen Brandon Armstrong? He's a lefty, Mike. He is, he's pretty much Michael Vick incarnate. He's got to be good. Yeah. Jamarcus Russell. It'll be great. It'll be great. He, he's really good. Um, they, they've got other guys that are also really good. They just haven't gotten time because other guys have gotten time. Right. And, you know, when other guys get hurt and the backups come in, oh, the play calling's not as good because that guy doesn't have experience. But he's definitely better. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a better player. He just doesn't have the experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ro- Robert and I is going to call better plays next year. It'll, it'll be great. Don't worry. Yeah, it'll it'll be good. It's it's always a perfect storm. The reasoning why something goes wrong at Virginia, certainly. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Speaking of teams with questions. Hmm. Mike, that's uh, all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? A lot of questions in the coastal. A lot of questions in the ACC. Let's go go there. Yeah. Boston College got a lot of questions. Uh, NC State still got plenty of the questions of their own. Lots hey. of questions of the Coastal. Hey, we it's it's that time of year again where you're starting to see articles about, oh, is Trevor Lawrence going to sit out next year? And it's also that time of year where Trevor Lawrence gets asked about and he says, uh, no, I'm not sitting out. <laughs> so He's got to keep up that Pantene Pro-V sponsorship. Yeah, which apparently he's... I, I saw this on Twitter today. It's a go ACC moment if I've ever heard of one. Gosh. Somebody mentioned uh, the Pantene thing to him in an interview, and he said, yeah, I used to use Pantene. Now I just use Moroccan oils, which <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know if, you know, you rub down your body when you're sore or if it's like, you know, something like Tom Brady's PED cream or what. <laughs> but, like, it's one of those things that you might just want to keep an eye on and just kind of bookmark for future reference. He uses Moroccan oils on his hair. Mike, you can't tell me what kind of Moroccan oils you use on your hair? <sighs> As I sit here with gelled hair and <sighs> my headset on and <laughs> Joey's shitting all over me. <laughs> this is where we're at. I can't tell you because it's a secret recipe and I don't want to give away the secrets to the great hair that I have, Mike. Let's say that. Yep. Cook it in the kitchen with the cocaine. Heroin? And we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I got nothing else, Mike. Anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good. Cooking in the I kitchen ju- with the cocaine. That's right. That's that's right. We're cooking drugs and putting oils in our hair and <laughs> go ACC. Yeah. Yep, that's exactly where I saw this podcast going before we started. So I knew it was going to get weird. It's, we had some conversations before this started. I was like, this is going to get weird tonight. Yeah, that's <laughs> it was inevitable. Yep. All right, uh, let's get out of here, Mike. That's all the news we got for now. We're going to come back and start previewing some bowl games uh, here in the coming days. 
uh, and we will uh, look forward to doing that. I think we're going to probably go day by day. I think there's like six separate days of bowl games, but we'll uh, we'll figure that out and come at you when we got it. Man, I miss those. Uh, it's the most wonderful time of the year commercials for bowl season on ESPN. Those mm-hmm. are great. Yeah. You get a lot of Lexus with it and the whole thing. Oh, man. Throwback. Uh, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, six days of bowl games for the ACC. So... I don't know if we can do uh, all 10 or 11 podcasts of individual game previews, but day previews probably uh, can be done. So yep. in any case, we'll be here shortly with those. Sometimes that falls perfectly where we can just kind of group the bowl games together, and it seems like this is one of those years. Yeah, and just, just take advantage of that. We'll be working from home, record a couple oh, as man. we go, you know. Drinks will be pouring. <laughs> only, only after during lunch. Only during the workday. Yeah, that's right. Anyways, all right, let's get out of here. We're going to come back and preview some bowl games. It's gone on for entirely too long, uh, but we will come back and talk about those. In the meantime, you can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. We are at BC Podcast ACC together, and most importantly, he is at Mike McDaniel's SI. I almost said SI. SI. Almost like SI or SC yeah. or something like SI Mike McDaniel SI on the Twitter. We knew you would. We knew you would almost mess it up. I I almost did twice, and then I, I caught myself the last second. He's at Mike McDaniel SI on Twitter. Uh, I'm gonna mess it up at some point here, like two weeks. So no be problem. ready for that. Uh, y'all can send us an email with your questions, your comments, your concerns to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Thank you. And we do have a couple that have kind of hung out there, and we're going to have to get to those here soon. Um, mm-hmm. I just now, mm-hmm. as I was saying it, remember that we do. Um, and I apologize to those who we are leaving them hanging. Um, most importantly, the Virginia fans saying, <laughs> after uh, Virginia beat Virginia Tech. So we'll, we'll yes. get to those soon. As if, as if we didn't think it could happen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's crazy. I know. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast apps. Uh, wherever fine podcasts are sold for free, most importantly, Mike, they can find us on Anchor. Uh, appreciate those who have. And you want to f- tell them where they can find us in the social medias? Facebook. Facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey. Yes, please do. Please do. Appreciate those who have. Uh, Mike, that's all I got. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, nothing we should probably say into the microphone. We should probably just <laughs> keep it moving. Nothing to put on the record. Yep. Uh, you want to come back and preview some bowl games? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. For Mr. Mike McDaniel, I'm Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Go ACC.